Kairos, if you guys would stand to your feet. Spending our time just singing together and glorifying the name of our Father who has loved us. Let's sing this out. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all Well, good evening. Like Matt said, welcome to Kairos. Uh, my name is Marty. I'm one of the Bible reading group leaders here. Tonight, Chris is going to preach about the fear of being known, which is something that I know is real because that's the fear that I carried when I started coming to Kairos. Uh, I was a number. I just showed up here to hear someone cool preach, to sing some cool songs, and that was it. I was so afraid of someone knowing the junk that I had been in, the junk that I was in. And perhaps it's a fear that some of you have brought in here tonight. And I just want to acknowledge that, that that is a real thing. And I want to promise you two things. One, 
that God's zeal for you to be properly placed in the body of Christ, for where your spiritual gifts are able to be lived out and acted upon is stronger than your fear. <laughs> and secondly, that, um, that tonight, like if, if you do decide to take that act of obedience, that if that is what something that God wants for you to join a community, to join one of the Bible reading groups here, that I promise you that you will find a group of people who love you too much to see you stay the same. So tonight, uh, the scripture that I'll be reading from is Ephesians 3. Paul spends two chapters, three chapters essentially, talking about the matchless beauty and the glory of the gospel and how it impacts our lives and how it affects us. And so he finally ends in chapter three at verse 14 where he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your inner being. It, I'm so sorry. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all of the saints, which is community, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I'll say the word of the Lord if you say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. Amen.
Continue to sing out as we sing about the worthiness of Jesus. Essentially sing the gospel in this song. Sing this out together. Rumors of the Son of Man Stories of the Savior And holiness with human hands Treasure for the traitor. No ear, no ear it heard, no eye had seen. The image of the Father. Till heaven came and lived with me. A rescue like no other. Sing worthy. My Savior, my refuge, my 
I'll say the first part of this liturgy if you will say the second part with me. Glory to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What is Amen. You guys can have a seat. All right. Thanks, Boggs. Marty, well done. You're good enough because you are a receptacle and transmitter of the gospel and glory and grace of Jesus. Love you, buddy. You hooped yourself, which is what makes me love you even more. <laughs> Outstanding. Um, good evening. I'm Chris. Oh, I almost forgot. I'll say bless the Lord if you say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Oh, bless his holy name. Hey, I'm Chris. I'm the pastor here. I forget my opening line sometimes. Um, but I do remember that this place, this ministry, and this church, we want to be the kind of people who can engage the whole person with the whole gospel anywhere, anytime, with anybody. Now, I don't know about you, that's challenging to me in my own life. And in fact, I have a lot of fears that surround it. Will I be ready? Am I equipped? Do I have the right things to say? Did I make the right reaction? Did what I just do disqualify me from doing those very things? And so one of the reasons we're in the middle of a series called Fear Not is we're just taking a look at some of the common human conditions of fear and anxiety that we find ourselves in. And as Marty said tonight, uh, we're gonna talk about the fear of being known. Um, I would submit to you that there are two words in the English language that have the ability to long for the human heart to hear, but also for the human heart to fear. Two words that can simultaneously communicate to you you're safe or you're, you're in danger. Two words that I would say sometimes would make you sigh with relief or shudder in fear. And the two words are simply this, I know. And depending on how it's said or who is saying it, you feel incredibly safe or incredibly validated or you feel incredibly insecure and incredibly terrified. There's that tension in that because what are we supposed to do when someone looks across and says, I know? Uh, now I'm not talking about I know what you did last summer. I'll try and get as many 80 references to movies tonight as possible. But I'm talking about, you remember that moment when you had a parent or a teacher who sat you down and said something to the effect of this? 
is there something I should know? And you're like, oh crap, what did I do? And you just like mentally start scrolling through all the skeletons in your closet. And you like have one or two reactions. Right then, you'll know if you're gonna be good at poker. You got a great poker face, you lie straight to their face. Absolutely, there's nothing you need to know. Is there something you wanna tell me? You just try to put it back on them, right? <laughs> or if you're like me, you turn into Chunk from the Goonies, right? And you act like the Ferrelli brothers are grilling you. And you just start vomiting everything that you've ever done, including the fact that you brought fake vomit into a movie theater, dumped it over a balcony, and made this sound. Blah! Blah! <laughs> right? I don't know which one you are, but when someone says, I know, either you feel safe to come out of hiding, or that is a trigger to run as far and as fast as you can, and whatever you do, don't come out of hiding. It can play one of two roles. I think the reason that we need to look at this is because I think all of us, God put the desire in the human heart to be known, to be loved, to be valued, and to be appreciated. It's something he wants to give us, and it's something he wants us to experience in community together. But also, don't we have this message and this lie in our head that whispers to us, if they truly knew you, they would reject you, they would hate you, and you would feel worthless. If you really knew who I was, what I've done, or what I'm doing, you'd walk out that door and you would reject me. Hey, just quick gospel reminder, Jesus Christ was known by God as his son, the sinless lamb of God, sent to earth to represent God's love for us. And when he made himself known to humanity, he was rejected, he was hated, and he was crucified. And he bore all of that on the cross, that sin, that guilt, that shame, and that punishment, so you don't have to live in it anymore. So just a gospel reminder for some of you who are living in that, your freedom has already been purchased. And hear me say this, I know. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I know some of you have had experiences where you've been burnt, you've been betrayed. Your fears about being known are, how are you gonna look at me? What are you gonna say about me behind my back? How are you gonna use this to exploit me? What happens if I catch you laughing or making fun of me because of the fact that I trusted you with who I was? I know. But what I'm most afraid of is our normal response, and that is when we are afraid, we run and hide. And here's what I find interesting about God in the Bible. He knows, and he's got no problems pursuing you in the midst of your hiding. As a matter of fact, he's had a lot of practice with it. And tonight, I want to tell you the first place he got practice with it with Adam and Eve. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Let me pray for us while you guys are turning there. Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Jesus, some of us are hiding and we're running and we're afraid. Would you draw us out by the power of your love? Jesus, would you go before us in this text and make a way? And together we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. We're in Genesis chapter three, and we'll start in verse six. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it, and she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open, and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. 
Anybody ever find yourself having an unspoken conversation with God where the exact words that Adam was saying, you're saying? I got close to you, I heard you approaching, but I was ashamed, I was afraid, and so I hid. And I've been doing it ever since. And I felt so ashamed, I decided to get these fig leaves and start to sew up these garments to try to impress other people, to lie to other people, and to hide from the fact that deep down, I know where I am is not where I want to be. We all run and we all hide. It's like our sin reflex, isn't it? Even though this is a good and loving creator who's walking with them and it's normally their evening walk where they have conversation and communion and intimacy and togetherness where they're known and they're loved and they're valued and appreciated. Same time, same walk for some reason, this time because of sin. Our knee-jerk reaction is to run and to hide. And I wonder how many of you came in tonight with a smile on your face and great conversation, but knowing that right now you're in a season of running and a season of hiding. And just so we're clear, I do it. I'm just really good at justifying it. I know that you do it, and I feel sorry for you when you do it, but I have to confess to you, um, we have a cat, and when it does it, I wanna kill it, okay? <laughs> so I'm not a cat person. You can start your church and be a cat person, but you're stuck with me. It's not, it's not gonna be advantageous to cats, okay? Uh, I would like to show you a picture of our cat. His name is Ollivander. Um, I hate him. Uh, Adigail, are you here? You could probably tell this story better than I could. We uh, got convinced, manipulated may be a better word, um, from our dearest child when we were moving from uh, Tuscaloosa to Nashville we were breaking her heart. She was leaving a school she loved, and that was a stray cat that they found in the elementary school parking lot, okay? So he's from the Scrates, okay? <laughs> he's got issues, I get it. And for some reason, I've never wanted to own a cat in my life, and we're dragging a cat to Tennessee. Um, he has no significant value whatsoever in life. He does nothing for anybody. <laughs> it just doesn't. I, I, maybe you're the cat whisperer, congratulations. He's available for adoption, okay? <laughs> Come talk to Addie Gale after the service. She would love to give you all the details. Anyway, in my frustrations with that cat, he, first of all, he's got Wolverine claws, okay? Like, even when he's trying to be nice, he'll come up and lay on you, and inadvertently, they just, they go like this, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm bleeding out. <laughs> well then, when he gets frisky, for some reason, um, you know the uh, air vents that you put over your AC on the floors? I don't know what the technical term, I call it a grate. Um, they're supposed to be metal. Ours are cheap plastic that look like metal. And for some reason, he thinks it's awesome to take his claws out and try to see if he can pull it up and off. And so you just hear, what tom, what tom, what tom, what tom. You're like, lock it off, cat. And a cat never responds to you verbally at all. I, I do have a squirt bottle. Um, and I use it liberally. <laughs> One time, he gets the grate all the way off, and he's just staring at it. And I'm like, don't you even think about it, bro. Don't go down there. Don't. Are you an idiot? Are you kidding me? And sure enough, like half his body, he's like trying to see if he wants to go for it. So I do the old, ah, ah, get out of here, come get your cat. Sure enough, we are hanging out one night and um, kids and wife come running in. Ollivander's trapped in the vents. He's finally done it, okay? <laughs> and I, we're walking over to the hardwoods and you just hear, ow, ow, ow. And silently I said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Let him die. <laughs> like, it's... Problem solved, like we can go out for dinner and a movie, come back and hopefully he'll have frightened himself to death. I'll get a shop back and get those remains out when they start to stink. That's, I got a plan to execute it, people, all right? I'm like, sweet. No, we've gotta get all the in around, we gotta get all the in around. All right, get down and you can kinda hear him moving but 
Like, the, the duck is, it's not physically possible for, I don't know how he got in it. It's cats. They have a gift. Like they dislodge their shoulders and they move. <laughs> we finally get in our bedroom, shining the flashlight on your phone because it's the only one you ever own when you need one. <laughs> and I can hear him scratching or crawling and then I catch a glimpse of him and it like it catches his eyes like reflectors and I see him tense and go down like this. And as I reach for him, he's so frightened, he won't even move. And it was in that moment, my spirit said, you recognize that look because that's what you do. When you mess up or you go someplace, you knew you probably shouldn't have gone in the first place and community or God comes looking for you, you shrink back in fear from the very hands that are helping to deliver you from what got you into that circumstance in the first place. And I'm so glad that we have a loving creator who continues to pursue us even when we're hiding and we're running. And I just want to remind you of that, that this is the God who loves you, who knows everything you've ever done and are going to do, and because of Jesus, continues to pursue you and choose you. Uh, in our house, this is not because of Ollivander, but... For parenting, we have two simple rules. You're not allowed to run, and you're not allowed to hide. So Ollivander broke both of those, so he's disowned from the family. Once again, available for adoption. You're not allowed to run, and you're not allowed to hide. Now, there is one exception to this rule. This is if Audrey's left me with the kids for a weekend and told me to clean up before she gets home, and we hear her pulling up in the driveway. Everybody run! Hide all the mess! Hurry! Quick! Thank you. It's awesome. Other than that... We, as parents, we want our children to become who God's intended them to be. And we're going to use all the power, resources, love, and forgiveness that we have at our disposal to help them become who God's intended them to be. The only thing that gets in that way is when they run and when they hide. We have not moved but they have denied themselves their accessibility and the acceptance of our power, our love, our forgiveness, and our resources when they run and when they hide. And I've told them this. Here's the, also the other guarantee. When you run and you hide, I'm gonna run after you and find you in your hiding space because I love you. And that not only means comfort, that means confrontation because this is what we've agreed on to be who God has called us to be. My question for you tonight is, what are you running from? What are you hiding? Think about that one thing that if someone else knew, you would be mortified. That you've spent your life going, I don't want anyone to ever find this out about me because if they do, they'll reject me, they'll hate me, and they'll never look at me the same. And even as I'm talking, you're trying to put a triple padlock on your brain going, don't go there, don't go there. We've worked really hard to repress that and forget that and deny that. You got it? Now turn to the person on your left or right and tell them what that is real quick. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you're all like, I'm not listening to you anyway. <laughs> I've been running mentally and hiding from you all night. <laughs> Do you sense that fear? Just the fear to think about it and then let alone acknowledge and confess it to someone. But also think about the type of freedom that lies on the other side. I know it takes time. I know we have to be wise and discerning, but I think some of us have been so wounded and so guarded in the past that the very thing that you were trying to protect, you're now killing and that's your true self. And I don't know about you, it, some of us, it, it's kind of easy for us to acknowledge, hey, we're prone to run and hide because God has given us the gift of obvious sin. Shame and guilt, no problem. We, we got it in spades, all right? We know, absolutely, the things that have been done to us and the things that we've done to other people, we are embarrassed, ashamed of, even disgusted by. 
And we know that sometimes our default is to run and hide, so we put up systems and structures and people to remind us, hey, don't let me run, don't let me hide, ask me if I've lied to you, okay? Because I know myself, and if you're gonna get to know me, I'm gonna need questions like that in the midst of all this. I think uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor and theologian around the 1940s and 50s. Uh, He did a lot of movement against the Nazi regime, which, by the way, when he came over to uh, America to study, he had an African-American friend take him to the black church, um, and he fell in love with Negro spiritual songs, and he finally saw the Bible through the lens of the oppressed. He called it from below. And it was once he learned that, he went back and saw the fascist regime rising and started to actively try to thwart Hitler's plans. And so he's creating this kind of community around him. He called it the confessing church, where we're gonna agree on these things. And even in that midst, the church still had problems acknowledging that sinners sin. Here's what he said. Impious fellowship, the pious fellowship, permits no one to be a sinner. So everyone must conceal their sin from themselves and from the fellowship, running and hiding. We dare not be sinners. Many Christians are unthinkably horrified when a real sinner is suddenly discovered among the righteous. So we remain alone in our sin, living in our lives in hypocrisy. I don't know about you, I ain't got time for church like that. I got time for people who are telling the truth. I'm not afraid of sin and sinners. I'm afraid of pious fellowship where no one is permitted to have access to the healer of their disease, the curer of their shame, and the liberator from their prisons. I want to be in a place not where that's permission to go on sitting that grace may abound, God forbid, but a place where you're vulnerable, available, and responsible, and you come and you look your brothers and sisters in the eyes and go, I don't want to want this anymore, and like a dog, I may return to my vomit this week, but I'm coming back to this table, and I need you to ask me those questions once again, because my default is to run and hide, but I know when I do, I'm not who God intended me to be, and I betray the very gospel under whose banner I find my salvation. You don't have to run. You don't have to hide. Now, for others of us, it's a little bit more difficult, isn't it? Once we kind of start getting going in this Christian game, we're pretty good people, right? We don't struggle with those bad sins that those people do over there. Nine times out of 10, we get in a small group just to feel better about ourselves. (laughs) You're like, I'm A-OK because I'm so glad I don't struggle like so-and-so. Oh, my gosh. How does the Lord love that person? Most of your prayers start out to God with, you're welcome, right? (laughs) That that kind of deal. (laughs) You're lucky to have me, all right? And you you wouldn't go so far as to say that, but you kind of pity and kind of judge other people who seem like they can't get their acts together especially if you never struggle with that brand of sin. There's kind of this, (laughs) sorry about your luck. I hope the gospel's true because you sure do need it. I was reading a a book by a guy, I totally forgot his name, Jim Hancock, okay? And he is talking about this propensity in his own life. Listen to what he writes. I was a peer leader, a card-carrying pastor, a husband and a father, and a sought-after speaker and author. I never drank, smoked, never slept with anyone but my wife, never cheated on a test, never shoplifted. You can see my record is quite clear, isn't it? And he goes on to say, all of those statements are factually correct without being true at all because I've never been tempted to do any of those things. I haven't been drunk or smoked, but I've been dangerously overweight because I'm constantly tempted to binge when I'm in sin or doubt, or angry, or sad, or for that matter, happy. Food is my drug of choice. I've never slept with anyone but my wife, but I've been lusty and sexually compulsive, and I'm tempted every day to return to that behavior. I've never cheated on a test, but I exaggerate, and I'm constantly tempted to lie, so people will think better of me. I've never shoplifted, but I've used my credit card to spend thousands of dollars on things I didn't need because what I was really purchasing was the emotional rush of buying stuff to ease whatever pain I felt at the time. 
And I'm still tempted to do that just about every day. I don't think I get any points for what I haven't done because sooner or later, I've done everything I've been seriously tempted to do. Does that create a new awareness of the things that we run and hide from? And sometimes, some of us have gotten really good, especially in religious circles, of hiding in plain sight. What are you running from? What are you hiding? To bring this to a point, I'm going to offer you a bit of advice that may sound counterintuitive. If you're in a place right now where you're hiding, don't move. Don't move. I want you to discover a God who moves to you first and will give you the power to reach out your hands to his loving arms. Could it be that we have a God who moves to us? Do we have a God just like in creation who walks through the cool of the garden and says, where are you, and pursues you? Do we have a God who's a waiting father who runs to the runaway after you squandered your inheritance? Do we have a God who's a good shepherd who leaves the 99 to go find the one that ran away and hid in its brokenness? Do we have a God revealed in Jesus who crosses the border into a foreign country to pursue a woman at the well and says, even though I know everything you've ever done and what you're hiding from me, I still want to use you. Don't move. Discover a God who moves towards you. Fred Craddock is a Tennessee preacher. Um, and he's famous in preaching circles. He was the father of inductive preaching, narrative preaching. What does that mean? Don't worry about it. Just know it influenced me, and you're better for it. <laughs> but he was an incredible storyteller. His dad was like, I think, some kind of like whiskey runner in the Tennessee mountains, and he was notorious for his ability to tell stories, and Fred kind of picked that up from his dad and uh, has a great story about his mom praying for him to become a preacher, a little bulldog of a guy, um, and just would do these wonderful ways where he'd come in the back door and you'd never see him coming and just drop the text on you like this, and you're like, oh, that's incredible. One of the stories I'll never forget that Fred Craddock has told is he talked about being a little guy and perfecting the art of hide-and-go-seek. Because he was so small, he could fit into small, dark places, and no one would ever find him. He remembers one particular time playing around with his cousins and his brothers and sisters, and he nestled into a dark place hiding, and it was so good. Five, 10, 15, 20 minutes went by. He hears people laughing and screaming, knowing he's winning the game. But soon that joy turned into boredom, turned into loneliness, and then turned into sadness. Because if they couldn't find him, would they keep looking for him? You know what he said he did? Put his hand out so someone would see him. Men and women, if you find a God who moves to you tonight, would you find the smallest act of courage possible to you just to slip a hand out? Because God's found you. Now let us find you. Amen? Let's take 120 seconds and just kind of reflect on those two difficult but absolutely necessary questions. Am I running from anything? And am I hiding from anything? Just pray Psalm 139. Search me, O God. Test my heart. See if there be any anxious way in me. Where can I run from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? He knows. He sees. And he loves. Is there anything you're running from? And is there anything that you're hiding?
may you picture a God who moves to you when you're unable to move. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening.
Well, if you would turn your hands over in a posture of receiving, uh, I'll speak our blessing over us tonight. Lord, we are done playing hide and seek. We only want to seek you with all of our heart. We wanna seek your kingdom and your righteousness. We wanna seek the glory of your face and the guidance of your hand. And we are confident that you reward those who earnestly seek you. But Lord, help us also seek each other so that our loneliness can be met with the liveliness of community that our reservations could be met with congregations and our hesitations be met with associations of those who call you Lord, Savior, and Abba. Kids play hide and seek, and although we are your children, by your grace, we will be childish no longer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, that's the last time you'll do that. Uh, you guys can have a quick seat. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's so good not to be the only pastor in the room. Uh, bless the Lord. Um, just want to let you guys know, uh, I've said this before. It, I'm going to say it again. Get connected to community. If it's not with us, beware someplace that you trust. Um, I will tell you this, and my wife can vouch for this. Being known by other people has been the single greatest gift in my life and the biggest agent of change for me becoming who God intended me to be. It's not possible without it. Um, so I just want you to watch a quick video about how we do that, and then uh, Captain Purden will be up here to give us a couple next steps. He's very good at logistics. I just handle vision. Bible reading group, it's essentially a small group. Um, you have about, you know, four to six people, and um, you literally, there's no prep. You just open up the Bible, you read it together, and then you answer three simple questions about it, and then you, you walk away with some sort of challenge or something you can go home and practice. The clarity of how it was, it was presented to me from being a non-believer, uh, coming in to a, a place like this, on what, what actually is right, what actually is wrong. Reading the Bible in a group really helped from, like I said, not knowing anything about, about the Bible, Christianity, nothing at all. It will really open your eyes and, and show you just what God wants you to do because it may speak to somebody in one way and somebody in another way. When I first moved to Nashville, I was actually in a really low place. I was really discouraged. I moved here without a job, with any certainty of what the future held for me. And I feel more stable whenever I have a community and people to lean on, and I didn't even have that. And so I felt pretty alone. I felt like I was, uh, I felt like God was pretty silent. And I felt um, just kind of a little bit lost, honestly, when I first got here the need to, to lean on each other's gifts and abilities and not just try to do everything on my own. I struggle with trying to take on everything by myself. And in Bible reading groups, it's strongly encouraged to like listen, hear everybody else out and like see what the Lord is teaching them and, and seeing a different perspective even, and just seeing what the Lord is doing in them and being encouraged by that. It takes a little bit of bravery at first. Sometimes you may just have a text contact and you may be walking in blind or you may know one other person. I just would encourage that person to, to take that step or that act of bravery to walk into a room not being sure of what, what the group is going to be and trying it out because in the end you won't walk out feeling like you're alone or having to be brave. If things aren't going quite the way that you want them to go uh, or, or not at all the way you want them to go, there, there is hope. God loves you. God loves you so much, and um, I just I want everybody to know that even if you've never prayed to God, even if you've never read the Bible, if you don't know anything about it, people here will show you how to do that. Just give it a shot. All right. Well, thank you, Brooks and Lauren. That was um, just to make it simple. That a Bible reading group is simply a space and a place for you to be found and not go unknown. And so tonight, we'd love for you to join us for coffee and conversation. It'll be right outside those doors, right across from the room from here, where we'd love for you to come and um, be with Chris, and we'd love for you to be with our Bible Reading Group leaders, and just simply give us an opportunity to say hi. 
share a little bit about your story. We can share with you a little bit about our Kairos family and just an opportunity to connect and help you find community. Um, it's just like what Chris was saying. It doesn't have to be with us, but we would love to help in any way we can. If it's with us, great. If it's a church down the street, we know some resources and people who would love to help you connect in community, all right? So if you'll please stand with me as we'll close in singing the doxology together. Grace and peace to love and serve the Lord. We'll see y'all next week.